0: you're listening to queers a podcast about politics and culture with simon copland and benjamin riley me too my proper proper pewter your proper uh my my proper pewter (laughs) uh i don't know what i'm saying
1: It's the 18th of January,
0: 2019.
1: I'm Simon Copland. And I'm Benjamin Riley. Welcome to Queers. Each episode we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week we're talking about social media. Uh, And talking about social media, I guess we should start... Uh, by thanking everybody who has joined up to our Patreon, uh, we're really excited uh, with how it's going so far, and we are really, really thankful for everyone who has um, showing support to the podcast. And we've already released two bonus episodes on the Patreon, uh, and we hope that people who have joined up are really enjoying that, and we'll be releasing a bonus episode every month. Uh, and so if you want to get some new, exciting content, um Join up to the Patreon, help support the podcast. Um, if you want to get new content, it's only $5 a month. If you want to uh, help shape the content, you can join up for the $10 a month um, subscription. Uh, and we'd really, really appreciate your support and thanks to everyone who has done so already.
0: Yeah, it's been really awesome. I should probably put it out there that I am uh, a bit sick today, which is why I sound ridiculous. Simon assures me that I don't sound as ridiculous as I think that I do. that um, but be nice to him. Yeah, yeah. Be be gentle, <laughs> you know. Keep the abusive comments that you usually uh, post on our Facebook page to a minimum. I'm joking. Yeah. People are very nice on our Facebook page. It's 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 lovely. Uh, but yeah, I like I just that wanted you needed to, to clarify that, Ben. Yeah, no, it's true. Well, you know, as, as we're about to delve into, people are not always nice uh, on Facebook, this, which which really? may shock which may shock uh, some some listeners. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to echo what Simon said as well about patreon and and thank everyone who has subscribed it's been it's been really fantastic to get that support the impact of social media on queer discourse comes up quite a bit on this podcast but we've never dived into the topic in depth
1: social media's role in politics has been particularly scrutinized in recent years many for example have blamed social media for the rise of populist figures in countries like the united states Uh, Last year, the world was gripped by the Cambridge Analytica scandal, with many wondering whether social media is negatively impacting our democratic processes.
0: Social media is also increasingly influential on queer discourse. On the one hand, online spaces such as Tumblr have become fertile ground for the exploration of identity and provide access to some form of community for people who might not otherwise have it. But, on the other hand, the same spaces often erupt into bitter
1: arguments over the policing of language and behaviour. So today we want to explore the impact that social media has on queer and other political discourse. Is it good or bad? Or neither? Or maybe both? And how does social media relate to some of the big themes on this podcast like identity politics, neoliberalism or mental illness? Ben, this is a really t- big topic and I think maybe we should flag here that this is probably one that we'll have to cover across a range of episodes, but we're starting sort of broad here and we might narrow down in the future. But let's maybe start, because it's such a big topic, let's maybe start with something a bit more personal. You tweet a lot, I mean, as, does, as do I, um, but recently I've been noticing you talking a little bit about a desire to leave Twitter. Um, why is that? I mean, I feel like it
0: is basically, like, the simplest answer is because being on there makes me feel bad. <laughs> like, I I feel like it, it kind of, being on social media, and Twitter in particular, for me, perfectly kind of captures the, uh, I don't know, the kind of, like, awfulness of, of living in the kind of age of, you know, I don't know, communications technology being as proliferate as it is, which is that I have this intense kind of uh, like FOMO all the time of wanting to like be on Twitter to, I don't know, like raise my profile as a writer or whatever, whatever the fuck that means, um, or be part of these conversations or, you know, and again, whatever that means. But I actually hate it a lot of the time. Like I, I find so much of so much of being on Twitter is just like me being annoyed at people for having for like their sort of self-righteous opinions or for being total assholes or just for like treating each other really badly. And that tension between wanting to be there and not wanting to be there has always been present for me on social media. I feel like there's, there's been this turn in conversations about social media in the last few years, really kind of since, uh, the build-up to the uh, the 2016 uh, U.S. election that sort of has said people have argued that social media has gotten a lot worse or something or discourse on social media is a lot worse. But I don't know. I don't buy it. I f- like. I feel like maybe it's. I mean. I mean. No, that's not true. Like it. It. It clearly has gotten worse. But I don't think it's gotten that much worse. <laughs> like it's always been. I'm not convinced it's gotten worse bad. necessarily.
1: Um, I, I mean, I, I've been on Twitter since, I think this is my 10 year anniversary. Yeah, mine um, too. Yeah. Um. God,
0: that's so depressing.
1: <laughs> and I remember when I, when I joined up being super skeptical of it and I found on Twitter in particular that I, I mean, I fluctuate in my usage, but I also find niche communities that I kind of like, and I try to ignore the ones that I super hate. Um, But I guess that's just kind of like life in general. Um, So, there's a lot of really good, you know, now there's a lot of really good academic chat that happens on Twitter that's really, I find really interesting. Um, So, I follow people who are in my field who are engaging in that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. You know, I follow... The tennis a lot. I'm loving this season at the moment because it is tennis season, and I follow a bunch of people who tweet about the tennis, and I really enjoy that and talk, engage in that kind of conversation. I mean, that's on my mind at the moment because tennis is happening. Um, but I, I totally see what you say about this: these communities that uh, that are engaged in this sort of really awful behaviour quite frequently, and spend a lot of time going on Twitter to just just do that to to be to you know to to be engaging in this sort of really negative behavior and 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 want to find constant fights on there and it happens so much in progressive politics that i just can't stand that element of it and i there are people who i follow on twitter who i sort of hate follow who spend all of their time tweeting in such a way um but then i sort of just I, i i try to stop myself from engaging and every now and then i sort of get I, I do a stupid thing and I engage, um, you know, every, you know, pretty much every time something about the site came up in the last couple of years, I would engage with it on Twitter and end up in like an afternoon of fighting the people on Twitter and hate myself for it and wonder why I was doing it. Um, but, um, my, my strategy is always just like, okay, just maybe observe, but don't, don't engage with them because it just, it just, it's like a suck of, suck of time and energy, um, that's not worth it anymore. Uh, But I, like, but I cannot totally get that tension that you're talking about or the desire, the need to be there, but the sort of, the feeling of how, like, it it can make you feel like crap um, to be there at the same time. And I feel like I've gotten a lot better, because of
0: it, like, obviously the absurd thing about social media is that on some level, technically it is entirely optional. Not only is it optional to be on there or not, but uh, it's optional who you follow, so, Mm. like... It seems like a kind of silly thing to, to complain about. I mean, I would argue that it's not really optional in a lot of ways to be on social media. But I think I've gotten a lot better on Twitter in particular at not following people who I, who are just like straight up assholes. But I feel like there's this thing that's that's really increased over the past few years on, as, I wouldn't even say a certain kind of left politics, I would say like fucking all left politics, even people whose politics I really agree with, where there's just this intense, intense smugness that I find so insufferable on social media that it's like people, even if people aren't explicitly having a go at someone, there's just this kind of like smug sarcasm that, like, I mean, this is why I just like basically don't tweet about politics because- everyone i know who does it and a lot of these people i know like in real life they're like actually my friends but they tweet in this mode or not just tweet you know facebook or like on any social media platform they they post in this mode that is like so like i guess the kind of implication of the tone is you'd have to be an idiot to think like that
1: yeah yeah do you and have like, any like i'm oh, just oh, just just for our listeners do you have any like examples of things like not yeah. naming names? No, I'm trying to I'm trying to
0: think of something. I mean, I guess I guess like the so so yesterday or the day before, a couple of days ago, there was this like stupid thing that kind of blew up on Twitter where the shaving brand Gillette. Yes, uh, this is had, actually the example I was thinking of. <laughs> oh, it's so dumb! Like, did this ad that was basically like having a go at toxic masculinity, masculinity and it just prompted, like, all these people... Like, it just prompted all the, like, usual kind of crap on Twitter where, like, some sort of right-wing people were were really angry about it and saying, like, I'm not going to use Gillette anymore. But then all the left-wing people were just, like, mocking the right-wing people for it in these ways that were just, like... Yeah, like, what idiots for, like, getting so angry about this shaving brand.
1: Yeah, look at these man babies. That's the thing that I've seen a lot, you know. They, you know... These, they can't even handle handle this ad thing about all totally, that stuff. Yeah, totally
0: not. You know, all this is all aside from the fact that, like, who gives a shit what the politics are of a fucking like? And I use politics in the most like largest scare quotes possible. Um, the politics are of a of a fucking shaving brand. Like, they don't give a shit. They don't give yeah, a shit absolutely. about toxic masculinity. Um, yeah. Yes,
1: they. But I, I think that for me. You know, it's a really interesting example because, you know, you watch that ad and it's like pretty tame in reality, you know, in many ways. Uh, And so I can understand the response that says, how could you disagree with this? How could you find this as a problem? All they're doing is saying, don't, you know, don't stand by while violence happens or while sexism happens. But then at the same time, I'm like... What is the value in mocking these people? What is the... Totally. What what are we getting out of that except for feeling smug and better about ourselves? hundred percent. I
0: feel like that's always where I come back to with these discussions on on social media. I mean, not just on social media. I think they, they happen outside of social media as well. But that, like, what is your desired outcome here? Like, this is clearly just about making you feel good, which is not invalid like i think that's actually potentially okay but it's just like so it's so empty you know like like it is purely masturbatory in my in my view it's just about this tiny little hit of having like a bunch of other people go oh we feel good about the fact that we our politics are better than someone else. And to me, it's just like so so transparently that, you know.
1: yeah, And if we're talking about a topic as serious as, you know, violence against women, what is that achieving apart from what is feeling good about ourselves achieving? Like sometimes, like for, you know, for a topic like that, and this is something that I'm dealing with in my research quite a lot, we have to sort of be thinking about like, you know, the the difficult things that you have to do to stop that from occurring and feeling good about yourself and tweeting about how good you are your politics are is not going to help solve the problem in fact it has a chance to make it worse because it further alienates people who are trying to deal with, you know, who, who, who are responding negatively to these to these sorts of ads. And so I just, I don't feel like it achieves anything at all. In fact, it has the potential to have negative outcomes because the people you want to reach out to, the people who you, whose behavior you want to change, you're alienating further because you're sort of positioning yourself in this sort of elitist, smug manner.
0: I mean, I would I would argue also that it, it has the negative effect of, I mean, this is a maybe a, a deeply, deeply cynical view, but... That it has the negative effect of preventing people who do care about this stuff from actually doing something because they think that the action of like posting about it on social media is action, you know, when you know, it's probably not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's sort of you don't engage in like other forms of actions because Totally because all your energy goes into that. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, going back to the question of social media, like I think that that's a really good example, and it's a really current one. But do you know one of the things that I'm really interested in is, is this like is you know the negative stuff we're talking about here? And this is this is for me one example of that. But I think there's there's lots of different issues that you know we've touched on about social media in you know in the in the podcast in over the couple of years we've been doing this, the three years we've been doing this now. Um, do you feel like? you know, one of the things I'm sort of, I'm I'm grappling with is, is this anything new, you know, is social media, is, is this sort of negative discourse, anything new, or is this, you know, these problems that have been around forever in one form or another, and it's just maybe, you know, you can see it a lot more because we're seeing it every day on social media, you know, what's, you know, what, how technologically deterministic can we be, you know, what can we blame for to, how can we blame, can we blame social media for this, or is it just how people are using the tools that are available to them? I mean, I have uh, thought about
0: this a lot. I think, firstly, it's important to say that, you know, technology is not free from ideology just in and of itself. You know, yeah, like like yeah. tool, tools are not value neutral. So I think that's an important thing to say.
1: You know, and they're created by particular people for particular reasons, you know, and maybe or, that's...
0: Or, or they don't even, like, I think something that comes up a lot in, in system design and, and the design of these sorts of platforms is that, they might be designed for a particular reason but they they serve a purpose that's not what was the intended purpose yeah um, yeah yeah, so I all think-
1: the all the intended purpose can change. So you know, if you think about Facebook, totally, yeah, you know, Facebook started as a sort of university connection. You know, Mark Zuckerberg started it. You know, originally, like I think the original Facebook was rating women. I know. Uh, but <laughs> you know, but it, it then sort of became a connection for university students, and then it became bigger than that. And then you can see how his modus of oper- you know his he he changes to wanting to be someone who, who can make a bunch of money off that. So his original you know, sort of, you know, we want to connect with friends thing changes to someone who's making making billions of dollars off this. So he's, the way he operates changes along the way as well. Sure. Um, you know, which is which is how you move from something that's just, a, you know, a social connection to something that allows something like the Cambridge Analytica scandal to happen. Sure, um, yes. You know, because there's, there's, you know, a change of, you know, motive there. I think in terms of is
0: this something new or kind of enabling something new. Like clearly people have been having shit fights like this, you know, forever. Like you talk about, you know, gay lib, we talk, we sort of valorize perhaps uh, too much like gay liberation on, on this podcast. But like, it was also just this total fucking Mm. cesspit of shit fights. Like people screaming at each other over like what seems completely silly uh, definitely happened, you know, then, as
1: much as and the well. kind of stuff, you know, we we think about that we talk about now, you know, I mean one of the big fights that happened with Gay Lib was around um sexism in, in the in the Gay Lib. Sure. Um yeah. in the in, in, and and there's there's a chance, you know, and I think that a lot of that stuff is looked back upon now as being, you know, this sort of monolithic thing that there was sexism everywhere and that women were never involved or that men were always sexist in that space. And I think there's some really interesting research that's been done by Hannah McCann, who we had on our live podcast. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and uh, Geraldine Fieler, who've said, well, actually, no, there were sort of men engaged in anti-sexism in, the, in those processes. But I think a lot of those similar debates that you can look back now are happening on social media and we sort of find frustrating on social media, but were probably also frustrating for a lot of people back then as well.
0: Totally. I think yeah. what is different now and my, my kind of uh, standard line on this is that uh a, after a certain point a difference in scale becomes a difference in substance and the ubiquity of social media and the role of technology communications technology in our lives to just have access to this barrage of information and opinion uh and connection of a kind at all times the the fact that like, the scale of it makes it something new. It, it might not be... These might not be kind of new impulses or new arguments in the kind of history of, of humans living together and talking about stuff. But I think that the scale of it is totally unprecedented. The, the, the fact that we have this stuff just, like, being beamed directly into our brains, basically on a device that lives in our pockets at all times is totally unprecedented. Like there's nothing that's ever been like that before. And I think that that's, I, I, I don't know. I like, I'm always a bit wary of these discussions because I know that I can kind of come across as a bit of a, a photo. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. technophobe or something and i would definitely you know class myself in some ways as a techno skeptic but i think that it's a it's often kind of hand waved away like waved away the i the fact that this is yeah the kind of scale of social media is it has enabled something that we've just never had before in the history of humanity
1: yeah no i think that's totally reasonable like and it's it's and and I think what's interesting about that I was I was also thinking you said scale I was also thinking about speed in 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 social media the way that um, information travels qu- travels quickly uh, and and we move and things move on quickly and that that's a, that's a measure of the scale um, but I think we've spoken about this in terms of outrage politics quite a lot that social media creates the capacity for. Things to move quickly and and for uh, sort of controversies to develop really really quickly and then to move on at the same at the same time and that is a measure of the scale it's a measure of the capacity for the information to appear in your phone right now rather than you know in in the olden days where you'd have to wait you know I remember getting you know you'd find when I was a kid you'd get home and you'd watch the six o'clock news because that was the way you found out about the news or you'd read the newspaper the next day like sure, there's, a, yeah. there's a slowness around that whereas now if there's a major event you find out about it now you find out about it. Two seconds, you know. Totally, and it might fu- be energy. over
0: in like a matter of hours. Yeah, yeah, because like you've moved in on in to the of next one cycle. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think that naturally has an impact. And I think that you know one of the things that I find find frustrating about social media quite frequently when it comes to identity politics is the speed in which there are shifts in acceptable language that are accept that are, that's expected, and how if you get lost, if you get sort of stuck behind what is acceptable language. You sort of get cut out of those that discourse very quickly. Um, but that is a that is a measure that is because of the scale and the speed at which social media works. That would not happen if you went to a you know you know your local uh, gay action group. You know once a week that sort of sh- shift would know. not happen w- as quickly. I wonder though about that one
0: in particular. In that I mean, like so- certainly language does kind of evolve and change really quickly online, but. I think that in the if you were like really engaged in a like going to like a lot of direct action stuff like in yeah, yep. in gaylib or uh, at any time when uh, there was a lot of that stuff going on and and you were really embedded in the community like that I think you would see similar stuff like because it is very much about particular people in a particular yeah, that makes community yeah um. Yeah, I don't know. I I, guess, b- I wonder about that one.
1: Yeah, no, I guess I wonder whether maybe on social media and maybe it's because of the medium there is more of a focus on language because you're spending your time online engaging in language rather than doing actions quite frequently. This goes back to some of the stuff we talked about just before. Um, and so language becomes more important. I don't yeah, well, know. Language, I don't I have any... Language to-
0: is kind of all you've got online that's yeah. the thing like it's all it's that's that that is everything like language is, is the only action in those spaces you
1: know and i think within identity politics in particular there is a real focus on language to a point that i think is in many ways you know not particularly healthy um or at least not particularly useful in many ways you know i think that it can kind sort of, sort of, of take, limiting yeah you know and it dominates it dominates discourse i mean it's you know of course language dominates discourse but like it <laughs> it, it dominates um you know feelings of what, of what action means that, you know, having better language is the solution, um, because you can only engage in language. You don't engage in action so much. You don't engage in that face-to-face action. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, but I think that is potentially a, a result of, of social media in many ways, because that is the space that is the, the way that you can engage in that, in that, you know, that's, that's what the medium allows. Totally. I, so I was
0: at uh, the queer reading group that I run uh, in Sydney once a month that was on last night. And uh, a little exchange was came up that I've seen replicated in so many spaces like that, which was w- around social media. I can't even remember how it came up, but, but it was probably me, because would be me, said something <laughs> bad about social media and there was a response from someone else, uh, which which is a totally valid response, um, but again, one that I see come up all the time, which was that as uh, kind of violent as I often see those spaces of, of people kind of attacking each other and, and policing language and behavior and all that stuff on social media, there are also lots of people who would not have access to any form of community or any form of connection with anyone without that. And... Like people who, for whatever reason, have mobility issues, can't leave their home, live in live in a remote area, you know, whatever. There are all sorts of reasons, and I mean, it's just kind of impossible to deny that that's true. You know, like that's oh, that's, that's clearly true. But yeah, I don't know, and I I don't quite know what to do with that. I mean, obviously, something can be have good things and bad things about it at the same time. But I feel like it's one thing if. It's the only way you have access to it, but it just seems like a really poor substitute for other forms of community.
1: Yeah, and I, but I wonder as well, um, you know, I think there's a lot of like chat about you know particularly from you know in in this sort of generational divide you know there's you know when there's these stupid generation wars that happen um not not literal wars but you know when people write about how millennials are destroying everything and then millennials are like baby boomers destroyed everything blah 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 um there's a lot of chat about how like millennials are just on online anymore and there's that you know they they just you know there's those images of like people sitting together always everyone's always just on their phone um, where and i and i see that criticism and sometimes when i'm in a space and everyone is on their phone i just want to be like can we all just get off our phone for a second um, but at the same time I feel like, at least in my community, and, and I think I notice this across other communities, I don't feel like there's a, like a lack of desire for people to get together physically. Uh, and in fact, social media is used as the means to organise physical connections, right? Sure. And so, yes, it's not a substitute, but I'm, I question whether it's actually being used as a substitute for a lot of people or whether it's the means that people use to stay connected between the face-to-face connections. I, You know, I don't see many people... Um, who just rely on social media for their for their community anymore? Uh, even you know, acknowledging that there would be some people who would require it f- for community development in in, in many ways, um, and so I'm a little bit less on that line of like. You know this is a, a poor substitute because i'm not sure people are using it as a substitute i feel like no most people have a drive to have face-to-face contact and do engage in that and continue to continue to engage in that i mean we do that all the time and you know everybody else i know does it all the time as well i don't see many people who just sit at home the sort of keyboard warrior who sits in their mum's basement and never has any social contact i think is actually uh, is actually really a mis- like not true and i think it's it's actually a very dangerous stereotype that is not helpful in any way, and particularly when we, when we target particular groups as being, like, those people, uh, sure, it's, it's sure. really unhelpful. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I no. don't know. I mean,
0: I... There, and there's actually quite a lot of research on this, like, that people under a certain age do kind of integrate social media use and, and like, you know, IRL... I don't know. Like <laughs> a, I don't know how to say it, but like, like physical meeting up with people—it's all—it's all kind of the same stuff, right? And they, yeah, they kind yeah. of flow very naturally from one into the other. But I do think that, yeah, I don't know. I have like a a bunch of thoughts going on in my head at the same time. I think partly it's important to acknowledge a generational thing in that, like I have a nineteen-year-old sister. And she is much more adept at kind of integrating social media into her life than I am uh, and and can do it in a way that seems much healthier than I feel able to. And I think that's, that's just literally about having grown up with it more. You know, yeah, like I mean, Facebook wasn't a thing until I was in my early
1: 20s. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really interesting for us in that, you know, we are the first generation that had, like, but we still wasn't, you know, for me, yeah, you're right. Like Facebook was really a thing for me when I just got to uni. It was not a thing when I was in school at all. Mm. Uh, and Twitter was a couple of years after that. Um, you know, Reddit's later on. You know, even YouTube wasn't that much of a thing um, mm. until totally. until university, really. Um, and I and think there's so- something really
0: crucial about being socialized into those things, like as literally a child, mm, Yeah. Yeah. Know? And that you, it's, it's just so hard to, I don't know, for as much as you can, uh, critique generational divides, there is something pretty fundamental about having had that or not having had that when you were growing up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know, I totally agree. Um, and, and I, and I think it's interesting for me as well is that, you know, for, for us, you know, Facebook is the thing, but. I think that for a lot of younger people now Facebook isn't the thing as much anymore. No like apparently it's, it's, it's like
0: moved- it's like the average age of Facebook users is just going up and up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there are new platforms that I'm probably not even aware of, you know. But, you know, Snapchat, I think, is far more popular amongst younger people than it is amongst our generation. Oh, my God. This is nowadays. like the most like, old,
0: old person conversation we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> Snapchat, I believe, is popular amongst the Yeah, generation. but, like, I remember
1: when Snapchat came out. I do remember when Snapchat came out for the first time. But that was, uh, you know, it would have been in my early to mid-20s. Um, but um, I think, I guess, what I'm getting at there is how... You know the the media the the, the platforms change. Um, people use different things. The the, the things are the, the, the you know the platforms. You know what 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 was big when we were younger. Uh, you know I think we're still pretty young, but what was big when we were younger is now different to what you know high school students would be using uh, and. Um, and so the disc- the discussions we're having about this are probably very different to the discussions they would be having about this. Sure, and it's also sure. different to the discussions people in their fifties would be having about totally, this. Or totally. People in different sorts of, you know, we- it's not a monolith of everybody uses Facebook and everybody uses Twitter. Um, it's, you know, it changes across different demographics that, you know, different, different class, different age groups, et etc. et cetera.
0: I also just wanted to come back briefly to the, the question of whether doing kind of queer community, whatever that looks like on social media, is, like, taking away or something from from other kinds of community. Because, I, like, I, I guess I just don't – I don't buy that it's not. Like, I don't know. Like, I think – like, clearly there is still a desire for people to be physically meeting up. But I think, for example, social media has made people more flaky – like it can be kind of harder to get people along to to meetups. I think like it's totally changed the dynamic of gay bars, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, in that it's it's harder. I think now even than it was ten years ago when I was first coming out to just like strike up a conversation with a random person in a gay bar because everyone's on their phones all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do I do think that it it has uh, that it does have an impact. I mean, I think things like, like Grindr, you know, which is arguably a, so- a social media platform has kind of changed the, ha- has, has contributed to the decline of like uh, physical meetup spaces.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. Like it's, that, that, there's no doubt about that. I'm sure, you know, and, it, but, and uh, I mean, that's the even interesting thing about that is that, you know, if if people had phones where they could meet up you know fifty years ago would they have been going to beats which were completely unsafe probably not like sure and is that a you know, good is that, that a good
0: thing or a bad thing you know yeah. like
1: yeah yeah but it's but I think what's interesting to me though is that there is this potential of like uh, a mixture of those things and so I mean I mean I think squirt I mean if it was a better website I think squirt is a really interesting website in those spaces because squirt if you' ever used it it's a sort of it's a it's another dating app but it's a really sex focused one it's like we are meeting it's like sex k- like it's...
0: a kink and more kind of kink
1: friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the things they do is um you can look up beats there and people will post going I'm going to this beat uh or I'm going you know to this this sex on premises place now let's you know so you could see which ones are popular at the point at that point in time. Mm, sure. And so the, so I think there's some interesting integration of those things and you know my experience is that, um, you know, there's it's obviously not as popular as they used to be, but there's still some desire for, clearly, some desire for that. It's sort of, there's no doubt that social media is having an impact on those things. My question is whether there's some sort of like, maybe, uh, maybe like a moderation of that, in that, you know, or, you know, what, you know, it used to be that it was, you know, it's sort of social media, you know, went up and up and up, and and now people are starting to sort of like, now that social media is becoming integrated into our lives, it's become, you know, there's sort of some sort of uh, plateauing effect. Yeah, Leveling off and people are engaging in both things and sort of, you know, the novelty of social media is disappearing and, and the sort of, you know, it's interesting to, to think even about this discussion. If we were having this discussion five years ago, we'd be talking about this amazing democratic potential that comes with social media. And we'd be talking, you know, you look at what social media can do. It's this huge, you know, thing that can change our lives, that can change our democracies, that can, you know, it could start revolutions. I would, like to,
0: like, I would like to go on record as saying that I have always been a social media sceptic. And I yeah, feel like well, in the fear. early days of it, I was saying these sorts of things to people and everyone was like, no, 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 it's great and I feel disgustingly vindicated, <laughs> depressingly. But I think,
1: you know, I, you know I, I'm not as much as a sceptic as you are, um, but I think that what I do think is happening, you know, I, I feel like the potential this the pendulum is swinging too much and we're becoming too sceptical of it. And I think that there needs to be a levelling off where you can see that, you know, technolo- technology has ideology behind it. It's developed for people by people for particular reasons and and i think that there's a really good discourse that's happening around issues around privacy and companies making money off these spaces and how what is now a public space is being used in those kinds of ways you know a space that most people don't have access uh, don't have a choice about how they access it because you need it to, to participate in social life um but i th- you know so i think that those discussions are really important but I also think uh and I think the discussions about that we're having about the impact that it has on discourse is really important, but I also think that we you know there are positives behind these sorts of things that we can't forget. There are positive you know strong communities that come out of this there are there are positive impacts you know the spread of information is probably a good thing in a d in a democracy um we just need to be figure out ways that we can level it off so it's you know we can balance these negatives and positives together in some sort of way. Uh, and I have no idea how that happens. Um, it's such a monolithic thing, um, but for me, I think that that sort of leveling off is really important in many ways. Sure. Well, I
0: guess I guess we'll wait and see. I I feel like we we've barely even actually talked about the impact oh, of I social know. media on on discourse, and so maybe that's a, an obvious uh, place to go next time. I am clearly much much more cynical uh, and skeptical about this than than you are, and I'd I'd quite like yeah, to yeah. unpack. Uh, unpack that some more as well, because I like I yeah, just yeah, like I like I genuinely think that if we switched it all off, the world would be a much better place. Um, <laughs> but uh, Which,
1: yeah, and I and I don't think I agree with that. So I think that that's uh, like a a a fun place for us to chat more about this. Let's do it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you'd like to get in touch or make a comment, you can do so various ways on the internet. First of all, think about subscribing to our Patreon. We are really, really overwhelmed with the amount of uh, support that we've got so far, and we're really excited about putting up new and uh, exciting content up on the site. Uh, So if you'd like to join our Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash queerspodcast. You can
0: shoot us an email, queerspodcast at gmail.com is that our email address yep oh, it's in front of me I'm, I'm like i could have just been reading it we're also queers <laughs> podcast on facebook and twitter uh i am on twitter at ben c riley simon's on twitter at simon copland and he's also on facebook at simon copland writer
1: you can also find the podcast on our website queerspodcast.com subscribe to us on apple podcasts and please if you do please leave us a review and rating on any of your podcast apps um that is a great way for people to find us uh, and it sort of helps boost boost us in the sort of uh, on those sites so other people can see the podcast and maybe check it out.
0: But the absolute best way to help other people find it, as we always say, is to just tell a friend uh, about it, encourage someone you know to have a listen. We get uh, referrals to the podcast all the time and it's really fantastic.
1: I always have friends asking for podcast recommendations and I'm always like, mine. (laughs) Yeah,
0: we do one. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. I'm that guy, um, you know, that does
1: a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.